Welcome everybody, my name is Pat Bryan, I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by someone who over a matter of a few years and, uh, uh, and uh, many coffees and a few rides has become a, a dear friend of mine and is uh, a, a rather quirky um, but pretty pretty amazing invention that we're going to talk about too. Um this is, as you've probably gathered by the the name of the uh, the podcast episode, we're go- we're talking about how to beat the heat because uh, heat is something that, uh, depending on where you are in the world, especially if you're one of our UK listeners, you might not appreciate uh, this as much as you should. Um, and we've all heard stories of uh, people who have trained in the UK and then gone to do uh, events or races uh, in, in, in hotter climates such as La Tap or even the, uh, the UCI World Grand Fondo Championships uh, can be in hot climates too and totally blow their, their race because they've not adapted well. So in many ways, just like uh, we can aim to adapt to uh, higher altitudes, uh, we can do that with heat. Uh, so I've got my good friend, David Carosa. Um, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Pav. It's it's just fantastic to talk to you again, and and you're right. Uh, we've we've had a lot of good chats over coffee and some amazing rides together. So uh, we're kind of across the country from each other now, but it, it's it's just fantastic to catch up with you. Oh, absolutely! It's uh, like I say, you you've you've become a, a very a very good friend to me, you and your wife, and uh, I have fond memories of our, our final ride actually before. Uh, before we moved, my wife and I and asked my stepdaughter down south, and obviously now you've moved to be near your family. Um, but uh, listeners, we we first met in Sacramento, and uh, uh, for those of you that don't know the Sacramento area, during the summer it gets rather hot, doesn't it, David? We're talking about into the into the forties uh, if you're uh, Celsius and well into the hundreds yeah. in Fahrenheit. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we certainly know we certainly know what we're talking about when we talk about beating the heat. Why don't you give the listeners uh, a couple of minutes on who you are, uh, what your amazing product is, and uh, how it came to existence? Sure. Thanks, Pav. Um, so my background actually has nothing to do with cycling. I've, I've been in the medical field for over 30 years, and uh, I, but I fell in love with cycling about 20 years ago. And uh, like Pav said, living in Sacramento, you know that anywhere between May and October, you're going to be facing a lot of hot weather. Um, I've never really considered myself someone that that felt, you know, overly affected by the heat. I just dealt with it. But in 2013, my uh, son and I, Cameron, were riding on the uh, American River Trail uh, in, in the Sacramento area. And it was a super hot day. We were about 20 miles into our ride and the temperature was about 105 degrees. And about 50 yards ahead, we saw this uh, sprinkler that, that was spraying across the bike trail. <clears throat> and um, of course, you know what you're gonna do. I mean, it's kind of like nature calling. <laughs> you, you ride through the sprinkler. And the the effect was just amazing. I mean, you just for those twenty or thirty yards that you're rising, riding through this spray of water, uh, and for a few minutes afterwards, you just have this incredible cooling effect from evaporation and, and wind chill. And for some reason, that experience just stuck with me. And I, I started to think over the next couple of days, 
what if you could take that riding through the sprinkler feel with you on a super hot day anytime you wanted to without uh, wasting all your water uh, from your bottle? And and so I went down to um, Home Depot and I bought some uh, PVC pipe and some duct tape and and I, I stole the uh, sprayer off of uh, one of my wife's Windex bottles and I put together this contraption that allowed me to kind of spray my face while I was riding my bike. And uh, so I tested it uh, for two or three days in really hot weather. And um, I thought, you know, this this really works. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal, the difference it makes when you can actually cool your face down. So long story short, um, after after doing those tests, I thought that this this is a this is a real benefit. So I met with um, some mechanical engineers and an industrial designer, and we put together what I think is a very commercially viable uh, kind of a slick product that allows you to spray your head, your face, your ears anytime you want without wasting water from your bottle. And you will keep your skin 15 to 25 degrees cooler. So that, that was kind of the inspiration and the, and the short story of, uh, of how Spruza got started. And it's a fantastic story. I love hearing that. Um, and uh, listeners, yeah, what we've got on uh, the Spokes website, if you go to www.spokes.fit and uh, check out the blog, if you go to the blog search section and uh, uh, type in hot weather or hot weather training protocol uh, you will find this uh, it's a rather big uh, a big protocol that David and I put together uh, and it gives you all of the science behind what David is speaking so rather than us uh, giving too much uh, techie information today we're going to focus on some key points and uh, uh, some of these key points are, are pretty fascinating when, uh, when when we talk about heat isn't that right David? Yeah I you know like I said I I think that when I had this experience, you know, I, I'd never, I was, I've always lived in the Northern California area for probably 40 years. And, and, you know, every summer I, you know, I just dealt with the heat, even when I was running. Um, so I, we hear a lot, you know, from people who say, well, you know, the heat doesn't really bother me. Um, and I get that, but that's a different statement than understanding that even if the heat doesn't bother you, it does affect you because, one is an attitude and the other one is physiology. Um, no matter how tolerant you feel like you are, you know, mentally with heat, there are things that happen to your body when you're riding or running in hot weather that, that you can't control. And it affects, you know, not only just the, the, the pain and suffering, uh, it affects your cardiovascular output. It affects the circulation that goes to your intestines. Uh, put strain on your heart. Of course, dehydration is is a, a real issue when you're riding in hot weather. And, you know, of course, over a period of time, the, the effects of heat are cumulative. And so, I mean, study after study after study demonstrate that performance, especially endurance performance in the heat suffers. Um, and it suffers particularly if you haven't uh, acclimatized to the heat. Absolutely, I completely agree with you there, David. And it's uh, I'm I'm from a different uh, perspective there because uh, having spent thirty odd years in the UK, where in reality, if we did get ninety or a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, thirty 
I can't even remember us ever getting 40 degrees Celsius in, in the UK when I've lived there. Uh, if it did, it was not for very long. Um, then coming and living in, in the Sacramento area where, yeah, like you say, it's sort of six months where you can get that consistent uh, heat. It's, uh, it's, it's incredibly challenging. And uh, for me, the biggest challenge was actually that I couldn't hide from the heat. And that's, uh, we're going to talk about that now. And that's uh, uh, what t- athletes typically do to, to avoid it and why that's not necessarily the best. But my, my problem was is that training for, for Route 66 at the time uh, led me to do a uh, hundred mile ride sort of several times a week and uh, uh, Sacramento is blessed with some of the most beautiful terrain uh, possible but uh, actually it's uh, it can get quite monotonous so you do tend to go out into the um, into the flats of like uh, Davis and winters and everything but it's it's not shaded <laughs> so so you are in direct direct line of the sun you've got the the tarmac the asphalt um, beating that heat back up at you as well so uh yeah 100 miles in, in that kind of temperature i can tell you there was a, a couple of times where i remember like calling my way back into sack feeling rather rather bad uh but uh thankfully then you and i met and we we sort of sat down and spent a long time developing this and we actually think this is the first time this has been developed for cyclists or endurance athletes don't we but uh um certainly certainly i i i feel like i keep in the forefront of most innovation and nobody's even come along with something else which is interesting because you can do a lot more with heat than you can with altitude and we talk about altitude a lot but david let's talk about what kind of avoidance uh, tactics athletes tend to do what do you hear from uh, people you've talked to yeah, typically it, it, it's it's almost kind of become comical to me because every every year, you know, beginning in March or April, certainly by May or June, you know, every coach in the country starts t- telling their athletes or their audience about, you know, how do you beat the heat? How do you train for the heat? And, and they really kind of fall into kind of three categories. You know, one is, you know, avoid the heat. Uh, you know, two is get used to the heat, uh, you know, adapt and, and uh, acclimate or and three is just learn to deal with the consequences of the heat, which typically means drink lots of water. Um, so, you know, it's it's fascinating uh, to me to, to put those three paradigms, avoid the heat, get used to the heat and deal with the consequences. Uh, imagine if we didn't have air conditioning in our car. And and so every summer, uh, you know, when you go to summer driving, the the automobile industry kind of had that same mantra. You know, you got a really nice $100,000 car, plush interior, but no air conditioning. So, you you know, it, it just changes everything about the experience of driving a nice car when you have to deal with the heat. And so what our vision is why not actually beat the heat so what that means is that when you're riding your bike in hot weathers and especially when you're it's hot dry weather that your body's natural response to keep itself cool is to sweat i mean it's it it's not the the temperature of your sweat it's not like your sweat comes out cold but it's the physics of evaporation and wind chill and all that spruza really does it's a little bit like outsourcing your sweat so every time that you use spruza and you spray your head face your ears your upper chest 
you're you're using an external source of water to do the same thing that your sweat is doing from your blood supply. And so it actually creates a a 15 to 25 degree reduction in your skin temperature. And the the, the physics of that is as every most people know that temperature flows from high temperature or heat flows from high temperature to low temperature. We did some studies. As a matter of fact, we published a study that we did in conjunction with the University of California at Davis, their, their department of sports medicine. We published it and it was presented in 2015 at the American College of Sports Medicine. And we were, we were able to, to show that because you're using an external source of water to cool yourself, that your rate of dehydration actually dropped. And it was a statistically significant drop in your rate of dehydration. The other thing that came out of this study was the perceived uh, exertion index, that when you felt cooler, um, your performance improved. The other thing which which completely surprised me, but it was a there were there were 13 uh, riders in this study, and all except one uh, reported a lower incidence of gastrointestinal distress. And when I first read that in in the study, I thought, what's that about? And and then I started to do a little more reading on it and realize that that what's happening when you're exercising in hot weather, your body is overheating. And you once your body temperature gets above 104, you just shut down. I mean, that, that's just a physiological response. If you go over that, you start to damage proteins, you start to dam- can damage your brain. But what happens is, from a survival perspective, your body is saying, I'm not concerned about digesting food right now. My concern is not is not dying from overheating. And so as much as um, 80% of the blood flow that normally would go to your intestines gets diverted to the heart, it gets diverted to your brain, and the large majority of it, 60% in fact, goes to the peripheral circulation. Your body is saying, get rid of heat. And so when you have no or very, very low intestinal blood flow, even though you're trying to drink and you're trying to to refuel, there's no blood flow to your intestines. So that's why a lot of people experience, you know, gastrointestinal upset. They feel bloating or gas or just kind of cramping is because you're trying to rehydrate. You're trying to fuel, but there's no blood flow going to the intestines that can absorb all that. So when you're riding and exercising in hot weather, the most important survival adaptation that your body is trying to do is cool down. And when you create a thermal gap um, that's 10 to 15 degrees wider than you get from normal sweating, that's a huge advantage to your body to, to dissipate heat. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, uh, you talked a little bit there about uh, the consequences um, and GI distress being one of them. But obviously, um, overheating and, uh, and and getting this wrong can have far dire consequences. So what else can happen if uh, an athlete 
just does nothing or just jumps in straight away or goes to an event um, after training in a cooler climate and tries to do it? What are the, the risks? There's really a, about three levels that I think are most impactful in terms of like a spectrum of, of health and safety. You know, it's not uncommon, especially if you haven't had time to adapt to heat, that, that you're going to experience heat exhaustion. And, and usually that's in the form of just dramatically reduced performance, headaches, uh, you know, a stomach upset, just just a general feeling of malaise. That the 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 next level in heat exhaustion is heat stroke, which which is a life-threatening situation. And you know, even though it's not extremely common. Um, if you don't recognize the, the first stages of, of heat stroke and you, you are in a place where you, you don't have access to rapid cooling or medical attention, you can find yourself in real trouble real fast. The third category, which, which is, a, is a consequence of both of those, but even if we're just talking about heat exhaustion, is your ability to recover um, you know, we all know that once you dehydrate to the point of losing 2% or more uh, of your body weight through water loss, that it takes a while for you to rehydrate yourself. And, you know, you back from a long, hot ride and you're just guzzling water and electrolytes. I mean, if you have to get up the next day and perform again, you've set yourself back in, in, in some significant way uh, if then if you could have reduced the, the, the effect, the psychological, the physio, physiological effect of overheating and the degree to which you have dehydrated. So you've got heat exhaustion with the, the performance that, that suffers from that. You've got the real danger of heat stroke. And then you have the, the aspect of your ability to recover from a really hot ride when, when you have overheated. So those are three broad areas. The other thing that, I mean, I think we've all experienced is, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked, you know, out into a, from a, a 70 degree room, you know, very comfortable, get on my helmet, my shorts, my shoes, and I walk outside and I get hit with this blast of a hundred plus you know, glaring sun on my skin. And immediately, either one or two things happen. You kind of, you know, look up at the sun and you go, ah, not today. Or if you've, you know, you have this this great ride planned and then that, that sun hits you, it's almost your GPS says recalculating. It's like, okay, I'm not going to go as far. I'm not going to go as fast. I'm, I'm going to do an easy ride because the, the immediate, you know, perception and the sense of that overwhelming heat just changes your motivation. Um, I think Pav will agree. We both had this experience that we walked out into really hot weather, but you, you, after using Spruza for, uh, you know, for a while, you actually gain a level of confidence that I can still do this. You know, it's, it's not that you never get hot, but by being able to cool your skin 20 degrees anytime you want to, it never, the heat never overwhelms you. In other words, it becomes a, a manageable level 
of heat stress. And, and so many times I've gone out and I've ridden at 108 degrees and done over 30 miles. And I keep telling myself, there's no way I would do this if I didn't have the ability to keep my head cool anytime I wanted to. I mean, I completely agree with you there, David. It's uh, there's you, you raise a number of uh, interesting points. It's uh, having having a good strategy for dealing with the heat is essentially the same as having a good strategy to deal with the cold. Um, I know that. I'm very confident in going out in the cold when I have all my kit on. I've got like every layer that I can possibly imagine going. And uh, yes, you go outside and you still feel a bit cold, but you warm up. And uh, it's very much the same, but obviously the opposite. Uh, when we talk about using uh, equipment like Spruiser and uh, and giving yourself time to adapt to the heat and, and really having a, a confident plan. And uh, yeah, and I totally agree with your point you make about recovery. It's one thing to do a 100 mile ride in normal conditions but when you do it in temperatures that do get that hot it really it really is something that you're you're pretty much wiped out for for the rest of the day unless you unless you're taking like adequate steps to to protect yourself so uh, listeners who might not um, really appreciate this I'll give you another uh, sort of analogy um, about what we're talking about here is that imagine or you, you've probably had years or seasons where you've you've trained uh, throughout the summer and you've really enjoyed all of the, the hot weather in the UK and granted again like we say it's not it's not as hot as what we're David and I are discussing now and, and this is why I wanted to, to sort of use this analogy is but you get towards that that maybe August time and maybe you're starting to get tired and you, you you're feeling maybe like you've done quite a bit September comes the weather's still great you're pushing through um, but you're noticing that you're slowing down and that you're maybe maybe you're ready for that end of season break but then you get through to uh, October and then all of a sudden it's almost like you feel amazing again and you're flying on the bike and one of the key reasons for that is that you're no longer pushing at that heat and in very much the same way as when you train at altitude uh, or you live at altitude and you come down and do a race uh, at sea level uh, what you have done is adapted your body to to really really work well in the heat and uh, and and then drop to a, a cooler climate um, and again that just comes down to the fact that you know when you're doing this your body is more stressed when you're working hard in the heat so you've got to take everything that we're saying into account and build that strategy that's really gonna uh, work for you um David, uh, we've talked a lot about the consequences, but have we got any figures that we could talk about in terms of performance loss, maybe across like an hour time trial or something like that, with, with de- if you're dehydrated? Well, when, when we did our study at um, UC Davis, we, you know, I, 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 ha- I was a little disappointed in, I mean, they, of course, when you do a, any kind of a study involving people, you, you have to, you have an, uh, an internal review board where you have to present your study and make sure that it doesn't violate any, you know, ethical or legal, you know, uh, put people at risk. And so they, they limited us a little bit on the, the length of the time trial uh, that they would let us do. But even given that limitation, we found that when the temperatures were over um, 90 degrees, that the performance improvement on a uh, it was a it was a six mile time trial which you know for most time trialists that's that's nothing that's warming up <laughs> but even even with a six mile you know time trial um, we found that the performance improvement was somewhere in the range of one to two minutes on a uh, six mile time trial so 
even though it was very limited. And, you know, our extrapolation was that the longer you're out in the heat, that the, the, the more it affects you and the more that the performance improvement would, would happen. I personally, you know, if you're, if you're talking about athletes who were training in or need to train for racing or, or even just a, you know, an endurance event for fun, and you're, you're in the process of getting used to the heat, that 10 day to two week period that your, your body is adapting to hot weather, you know, that, that is a window of risk. Um, number one, you're just not used to it. So the, the experience itself is, can be, can be miserable. But if you have something that you can take with you during the, the, your, your adaptation phase, it gives you a couple of things. One, it gives you a margin of safety. So if all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're 10 miles into your ride and it's 100 degrees and you just, you just feel overwhelmed with the heat, if you don't have something that can cool you down, one of the, 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 the uh, paradoxes or the dilemmas that you find yourself in is you want to use your water from your bottle to, to cool yourself down and then you don't have anything to drink. And, and dehydration can be even more critical than than just you know being uncomfortable in, in hot weather. So having the ability to anytime you want cool your head and your face and your ears down 20 degrees is is a huge safety uh, net for you know that that period of time when you're you're getting used to the heat. And again, the other thing too is if you're if you're training in hot weather and you have the ability to control your heat stress on a long hot ride, it 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 helps you to dehydrate less, gives you a margin of safety for overheating, and it, and I I can guarantee you it will help your recovery and your confidence and motivation, you know, to put your shorts on the next day and get back out on on the hot road. Um, so it, it it can be very very helpful. One of my favorite stories, um, some of you may be familiar uh, with the uh, Race Across America, and one of the uh, the riders who has used Spruza for the last three or four years is, is a, a, a cyclist named uh, Marco Ballo from Slovenia. And in, uh, it was two, two years ago, Marco did the, uh, he didn't do the Race Across America, he did the Race Across the West, and he was riding in 116 degrees uh, across uh, California and Arizona. And Marco uh, used Spruz the whole way during that, that hot weather. And he texted me. He actually won uh, won that, his age division that year. And he texted me uh, the next day, in just two words, or actually, yeah, two words. He said, I'm addicted. Um, when Marco said that having the ability to just constantly keep his, his uh, head and face cooler uh, riding across the desert was was just invaluable to him. Yeah, absolutely. We, we probably need to get Marco on the podcast because he gets a lot of mentions from our friend uh, um, Dr. Vince Marcel off of Infinity Bike Seat when we have him on. Um, I can I can agree. When when I did Route 66 and we did a day in uh, in a Mojave Desert and uh, Oatman, I, I always remember Oatman because it's 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 surprisingly hilly out in that part of the desert. So you're very, you're going very slow climbing and. Uh, 
yeah, I don't know what I would have done without being able to to spray my spray my eyes and face. And uh, thankfully, I had that chase car that was giving me, a, I think it was a 700 milliliter bottle every 30 minutes uh, that I was going through. But wow. um, yeah, got up the next day and still rode 200 odd miles. So yeah, uh, that's that's the the power of really really thinking this. Uh, through and having that strategy so uh, just to give the listeners um, I'm going to do it give you a couple of scenarios David uh, and we're going to talk about uh, um, how how people can sort of uh, uh, create their own light plan so the, the first scenario if you live in an area where it's not hot year round so maybe this is the UK uh, and you need to, to force that adaptation uh, for an event uh, uh, which could be in the heat uh, or it could be that you're uh, you want to get a head start on on the oncoming heat if you know you're going to have a strong summer. Uh, what would be uh, your best advice for that? I mean, first of all, you if you're if you're going from a where you're riding and training in, in relatively cool weather, and then you know you're going to be riding and training in you know a temperature that's twenty or thirty degrees hotter than you're than you're used to. You know, certainly, I mean, to me you know, hot can be, you know, anything above 90 degrees, especially if you're in the open sun. Um, Studies have shown that the optimal temperature for riding your bike in terms of heat management is 68 degrees. So the farther that you get above 68 degrees, the more thermal strain that you're going to put on your body. Um, So, you know, just taking sprues off the table for a minute, uh, you know that when you're riding in hot weather, you're, you're going to be sweating a lot more. And so carrying adequate, you know, water and, and electrolytes is absolutely imperative. But you have to keep in mind that while you're trying to, to stay, you know, drinking every maybe every 10 or 15 minutes, just drinking a little bit to keep your body hydrated, Keep in mind what's happening. We, we talked about earlier, what's happening in your gut, that there's almost no circulation. So it's harder for your body to absorb whatever you are trying to drink. It makes it, it's a challenge to absorb, you know, all that fluid. And if you're trying to, to refuel as well, it's a challenge to your, in your digestive tract. So yes, drink lots of water, keep your electrolytes balanced. But but never forget that because your body is mostly concerned with getting rid of heat, your absorption is going to be, you know, incrementally affected by that. The other the other thing to think about is how to, you know, how to moderate hydro provides some safety while you're acclimatizing. Um, and so something like Spruza that allows you to stay in control of your heat stress can be a huge help. So those are a couple things is is to to take your time to as you're exposing yourself to heat, especially if it's a dramatic increase in heat, you really need to understand that in spite of drinking, your body's not going to be able to absorb it as well if you're overheating and to give yourself a margin of safety. You know, one thing we've talked a lot about, you know, performance and 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 racing and recovery and some of the physiology but one of the things that, that I found, too, um, is sometimes the just the fact of being able to enjoy the ride when it's hot is important. Um, you know, think about riding in the summer 
you know, it's the best time of the year to ride. I mean, normally we have good weather, we have long days. Um, a lot of times, you know, we have, we, we get time off from work. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful time a year to get out and ride, whether you're training or you're just riding for recreation. But the problem is it's hot. <laughs> and, you know, we've had a number of people who, who use uh, Spruza, not because they're, they're training or, or pl planning for some big race. They just tell us, it just enables me to enjoy the ride. You know, it, again, I, I go back to the analogy of riding in a nice car that that, you know, didn't have air conditioning. I mean, it's still a nice car. You still enjoy you still want to get out and, and ride or drive. But but the experience when you're hot doing it is entirely different. So there is just the the the, the very common experience of it, it just feels better when you're cool. So, David. What would your top five tips for making the most of hot weather training be? How can people ensure that they are going to reach their events that might be in hot weather in best best condition? The first the first tip for you know for hot weather riding is what you've heard before. It's it's make sure that you have some experience riding in the heat. Number two is understand that even if you say the heat doesn't bother you remember it does affect you number three is knowing that the heat affects you understand that it's harder for your body to absorb food and water or any kind of liquid because your your body is trying to dissipate heat so plan ahead drink little bits consistently stay ahead of your thirst number four is Whenever you can, stay in, stay out of direct sunlight when you're riding in hot weather. And number five is if you have a way to help your body dissipate heat by evaporation and wind chill, I guarantee you, you will have a better ride and a better experience. Absolutely. Fantastic five tips there. Uh, and uh, David, for, for the listeners who want to find out more information about your incredible product, where do they go? They can just go to spruzamist.com. That's S-P-R-U-Z-Z-A mist, M-I-S-T dot com. All one word, spruzamist. Fantastic. Thank you, David. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us, and uh, we wish you all the best for the future. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for the opportunity to, to share this with your audience, and uh, stay safe, and uh, good Lord willing, we'll ride again together someday. Oh, I'd love that. I really would love that. It'd be um, fantastic. And like I say, uh, uh, pleasure to have uh, developed this with you over, over the course of when we lived near each other. Yeah, that would almost seem providential. It was, it was a great experience. <laughs> Absolutely. And listeners, uh, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. So uh, if you've got any questions or comments, suggestions for, for any content, uh, please do jump in the Spokes Facebook group and just post to the group. And uh, if you've enjoyed the uh, episode, obviously share it with your friends and leave us a little comment or a review, depending on what platform you're listening to. And uh, if you're not already a subscriber, do not forget to subscribe because there are plenty more epic content on its way. Uh, thank you, everybody. My name is Pav. Brian, I'm performance director and co-founder here at Spokes, and you have been listening to Be Spoked. <laughs>